Taiwan added 10 local COVID cases, one imported case, and zero deaths on Monday. It also announced that its border restrictions will not change when the level three COVID alert is lowered on Tuesday. Let's hear from the Central Epidemic Command Center. Although the COVID alert will be lowered tomorrow, our border policies will not change. As before, entry is suspended for non-nationals who do not hold a valid residence permit, except for emergency or humanitarian reasons. Transits in Taiwan are suspended. The CECC will adjust these policies on a rolling basis, based on the pandemic's domestic and international developments, and on the state of COVID precautions at the community level. Basically, after Level 3 is lowered to Level 2, we will maintain the same border controls. We also want everyone to know that these policies may, based on COVID's developments at home and abroad, be adjusted on a rolling basis. Starting Tuesday at 10 a.m., all adults aged 38 and older will be able to book a vaccine appointment. This round of vaccine appointments is Taiwan's fourth, and it will be open to 1.18 million people born before the end of 1983. It will also be open to people in Jilong and Ilan who were unable to get vaccinated last week due to storm closures. Taiwan says it will allow people who got a first dose of the AstraZeneca vaccine to get a second dose of Moderna or Pfizer. The Central Epidemic Command Center said that research in the UK found that mixing AZ with Pfizer generates a strong immune response, much stronger than two doses of AstraZeneca. AstraZeneca is rolling out nationwide. In the future, those who received one AZ dose will be able to choose Moderna or Pfizer for their second shot. Taiwan's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices has reviewed overseas studies on vaccine mixing and decided to allow mixing and matching. Right now, based on the data collected abroad, it seems that the safety and effectiveness are up to par. That's why they reached this consensus in the end. The University of Oxford conducted a mix-and-match study on 850 adults aged 50 and older. They were divided into four groups. One group received an AstraZeneca shot followed by a dose of Pfizer. Another received Pfizer followed by AstraZeneca. The remaining two groups got two of either AstraZeneca or Pfizer. Their neutralizing antibody titers were compared. Researchers found those with two Pfizer doses had the highest concentration of antibodies at a level of 14,080. The second highest was AstraZeneca, followed by Pfizer, at 12,906. The third highest was Pfizer, followed by AstraZeneca, at 7,133. The lowest concentrations were found in those with two AstraZeneca shots, at 1,392. In conclusion, the study found that vaccine mixing is effective at stimulating an immune response. The group that received AstraZeneca followed by Pfizer ranked number two. So it seems that if you get two mRNA-based vaccine shots, there is no need to mix AstraZeneca with Pfizer. You don't necessarily have to do that, but mixing and matching is also an option. 
Honghai and TSMC have secured a deal to donate 5 million Pfizer vaccines each to Taiwan, with deliveries scheduled to start in September. Some of those vaccines will be set aside for the 1.4 million people in the 12 to 18 age range. They may also be administered to the more than 3.4 million people who have already received one dose of AstraZeneca. Getting AZ first, followed by Pfizer, generates a better effect than Pfizer followed by AZ. In theory, that much is correct. But we'd need to see that supported by real-world data. In Taiwan, National Taiwan University Hospital and Taoyuan General Hospital are conducting studies on mixing AstraZeneca and Moderna. Meanwhile, Chang'an Memorial Hospital is researching whether the locally developed Medigen vaccine, which is based on protein subunits, can also be added to the list of vaccine combinations. The Medigen vaccine is a protein vaccine, and it seems that one of its advantages is fewer side effects. For many vaccines, the second shot produces greater side effects. That's why we wanted to research this. Vaccine mixing could be an important way forward as more vaccine brands become available in Taiwan. Local medical bodies are carrying out research to find which combinations are the safest and most effective. Taiwan is working with Palau to restart the two-sides travel bubble, which was suspended during Taiwan's COVID outbreak in May. Travel agencies say it will be easy to set up new tours to Palau, given that they already have experience from before the outbreak. But tour operators worry that the high cost of travel bubble tourism will continue to put customers off. Palau's president came to Taiwan in April and announced the launch of a travel bubble with Taiwan. When a viral outbreak hit Taiwan in May, flights along the travel corridor were suspended. But with the level 3 COVID alert about to be lowered, Palau is looking to restart the travel bubble. Travel agencies are eager for its return, as it ushers in new business in travel tourism. If we are able to obtain approval from the governments on both sides, and if Palau opens up for vaccine tourism, then we're very optimistic about this format of tourism. As before, the linchpin of success is the cost of the group tours. They should design tours with a reasonable rate. If this opportunity is squandered once again, failing because the cost is too high, then I think it will be hard to ever get this Palau bubble off the ground. With groundwork for the bubble already in place, Taiwan is set to restore Palau flights quickly and easily. But travel agents warn that hefty expenses of travel bubble protocols will drive up the sticker price of tour packages, making them unaffordable in the absence of government subsidies. One tour provider suggests that the government allow more than just group travel. Authorization for individual tourists and special exemptions for vaccine tourists could all help drive interest in trips to Palau. Take the Guam experience as an example. If Palau starts offering vaccination clinics at hotels, then we can assist with designing the itinerary on the day of vaccination and with schedule coordination if we need to cooperate with the local medical team by going to a designated site for the vaccination we can arrange tourist pickups perhaps the government can amend the law or issue an administrative order that provides for a partial reopening we think this is what the government can do whether it's Pfizer, Moderna or Johnson & Johnson Palau has sufficient vaccines in stock but legal restrictions must first be lifted in Taiwan before vaccine tourism can commence. 
The foreign ministry has invited travel agencies to work out a plan for expanding Palau tourism. The details will be finalized by the Central Epidemic Command Center. Amateur singers have come together online to produce a new song written by composer and lyricist Zhu Jianyer. They seek to thank Taiwan's medical workers for protecting the country from COVID. Meanwhile, overseas Taiwanese musicians have also produced an instrumental homage to the medical profession. When COVID broke out last year, this song featured the dulcet tones of Health Minister Chen Shizhong as well as lawmakers from across the political spectrum. Things are harder now than they were, so Zhu has gathered 100 members of the public for a new song to thank Minister Chen and all Taiwan's frontline medical workers for their dedication and sacrifice. Why can't we use ordinary people's voices to encourage other ordinary people, and in the process to encourage our medical professionals who are working so hard without a moment's rest? So that was the idea behind this. A hundred singers have made a recording studio in their own home to sing out their thanks as best they can. Taiwanese musicians abroad are sending in their melodic postcards too. These 14 musical contributions have flown in from all over the world to thank Taiwan's medical staff. I've had the experience of putting on full PPE to take an airplane, which was quite an unpleasant experience. But that's just the tip of the iceberg of what medical workers have to endure over the long term. Taiwan's medical professionals are the pride of Taiwan. To all Taiwan's medical professionals, thank you for protecting Taiwan with your lives. Taiwan can only get better because we have you. Music is the most potent medium of communication. Professional and amateur musicians alike hope their performances will lift the spirits of those who need it most. A COVID cluster has formed at Taipei Main Station, with four cleaning workers and three of their family members testing positive. The Taipei city government has ordered all first-floor shops to close for disinfection. Shops may reopen as soon as this Wednesday, but only if all staff present proof of a negative PCR test. Here on the first floor of Taipei Main Station, the metal shutters are pulled down tight. The signs say the shops are closed from July 25th to 27th for a full disinfection. On Wednesday, these shops will be allowed to reopen, but only if all staff have proof of a negative PCR test. We've identified seven cases in connection to Taipei Main Station. Three of the cases are live-in family members of known cases. Today we want to share some information on case number 15678, who lives with the second case we were talking about just now, case number 15669. This new case is a security guard at the B2 parking garage of Taipei World Trade Center Hall 1. 
A cluster infection involving cleaners at Taipei Main Station has grown to seven cases. Three of the cases are family members of station personnel. Of these three, one is a taxi driver and another a security guard at the Taipei World Trade Center. The local government has released details on the whereabouts of the cases before their diagnoses. One had been at a Carrefour supermarket in Beitou District. Another had taken public transport several times between July 18th and July 22nd, including Route 22 operated by Metropolitan Transport, Route 266 operated by Danan Bus and Route 1 operated by Xingxing Bus, as well as the red line on the Taipei Metro. Officials say a worrying factor is that the cleaners worked at locations besides Taipei Main Station. They are staff of a cleaning company, so they don't just clean at Taipei Main Station. They don't have a fixed work site. They work in different areas of Greater Taipei. So we've arranged for everyone in the company to get a PCR test. One of the cleaners had also been stationed at the Hongwell Reiguang office building in Nehu District. Taipei City says all the affected workspaces have already been disinfected. With Level 2 starting in a few hours, clusters like these show just how difficult it is to detect and disrupt infection chains. Let's turn now to the latest from the Tokyo Olympics. Table tennis pair Zhang Yijing and Li Unru beat France 3-0 on Monday to claim a bronze medal in mixed doubles. With that, the duo ended Taiwan's 21-year medal drought in table tennis. Earlier in the day, Taiwan's men's archery team added a silver medal to the tally. Taiwan archery was represented by Wei Junhong, Tang Zijun and Deng Yicheng. The contingent defeated Australia, China and the Netherlands before losing to South Korea in the final. South Korea breezed through the match with a perfect score of 6-0 and the Taiwanese trio took home silver. Taiwan's medal tally now stands at two silvers and two bronzes. The travel industry is set for a revival as we drop to COVID alert level 2. Tour groups are restricted to nine people in level three. That will be relaxed to allow groups of 50. National parks and theme parks will also be allowed to admit more customers, up to half their normal capacity. But travel industry insiders say that continuing restrictions will drive up the costs of travel. Tourists pose by the colorful houses at Jilong's Zhenbing Harbor. They're within the nine-person group limit. Travel will get easier on July 27th when Level 2 kicks in. Groups are a maximum of nine people now, but that limit will swell to 50. Mandatory gaps between passengers and public transport will stay, but get less stringent. Coaches will be allowed to carry a maximum of 20 passengers at once. After the alert level goes down, it will be possible to eat in at restaurants. That will make managing groups more convenient. Travelers will also be keener to go on tours. But in the initial stage, people may still have some anxieties about being close to others. So we will continue to offer tours for smaller groups of four to six people. Level 2 will be touch and go at first. Most tour operators plan to continue small groups. With the 20-person limit on coaches, bigger groups may require multiple coaches, driving up costs. In the transition period, travel costs will probably rise by 30%. In August, September, October, or even three or six months after that, 
I think there's no way to maintain the same kind of profits we had in the travel industry last year. I would like there to be exemption clauses, like if everyone is from the same company or the same family, for groups of 20 to 40, perhaps we could apply for permission for that. As Level 3 eases, many people will be raring to go for the long-awaited vacation, but there are still lots of rules to bear in mind. Theatres can reopen to live audiences under COVID Alert Level 2, confirms the Ministry of Culture. Seating will be socially distanced, which will hit artists financially. But for outdoor performances, theatre companies may be allowed to sell a maximum of 500 tickets. Culture Minister Lee Yongde also revealed that a fresh scheme for art stimulus vouchers is in the works. An opera singer in magnificent costume plays Shun Feng Er a guard of the goddess Matsu. Then an inflatable doll floats on stage to the audience's astonishment. Online operas not quite the same. Now these scenes can play out in person again. The most crucial thing for theater venues this time is that we can allow audiences entry, and we've had many talks with the CDC. They can use space seating arrangements to allow up to 50% of normal audience capacity at least. The indoor gathering limit is rising to 50, and the Ministry of Culture is relaxing some rules for theater venues. Audiences can come back, but they have to sit socially distanced. If the venue has no fixed seats, distances of 1.5 meters must be observed. The front row must be at least 3 meters from the stage. For outdoor performances, such as street opera, the default limit is 250 people, unless organizers gain a special permit from the local government. For the standard level 2 rules, you can have up to 500 people outdoors. But right now, as we just start to open up, we'll take it gradually. So half that number, 250, is allowed. When people are used to that, we can relax further, up to 500 as we've agreed with the CDC. Meanwhile, the cast and crew for both theater and screen will be allowed to take off their masks during performances if they've done a rapid test, a PCR test, or are two weeks out from their vaccination. At exhibition halls, the cap of 100 will be scrapped. Limits will be based on each venue's capacity. Although social distancing for audiences will decrease, at least half the seats will remain empty. That will hit box office profits. The Ministry of Culture says it's drawing up another version of stimulus vouchers based on the 2020 Arts Fungo scheme. We're still planning and negotiating that, so the policy isn't fully decided yet. All I can say is it will be an upgrade of the Arts Fungo vouchers. Level 3 has been no laughing matter for the arts. The Ministry of Culture says it will drop a scheme to upgrade and research the cultural industry before the end of July. We turn to an update on unemployment. As of July 23rd, nearly 50,000 employees are on unpaid leave or reduced work schedules. That's the most at any one time in Taiwan's history. The Ministry of Labor says that even though the epidemic is coming under control, it will take time for furlough figures to reflect that. With regard to this problem, it's going to take some time. But lowering the alert level and reopening will help ease the situation. There are many hoteliers and larger-scale tourist hotels in northern Taiwan that have been affected. 
Last week, there was a 36% increase in furloughs from the hospitality industry, which placed some 6,000 people on full-time or part-time unpaid leave. Other industries hit hard by COVID include wholesale and retail, transport and warehousing, and travel agencies. TSMC elected a new board of directors on Monday at its annual shareholder meeting. Acer founder Stan Shu left the board after two decades. The new board includes Raphael Reif, the president of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology in the U.S. During Monday's meeting, TSMC shareholders also put questions to executives about an incoming shipment of COVID vaccines. TSMC convened a shareholder meeting on Monday with safeguards up against the epidemic. It rented three whole floors of a hotel for the event and set up plastic partitions between its panel of executives. TSMC Chairman Mark Liu called for unity against the pandemic. At this particularly tense time during Taiwan's epidemic, let us unite and fight the epidemic as one to get through this difficult time together. During the Q&A session, shareholders focused on TSMC's donation of 5 million Pfizer vaccines, asking about the progress of the procurement. This was possible only because the entire company mobilized behind it. This isn't a case of donating if you want to make a donation. The most important question was whether we could even buy it. And now the dust has settled on a done deal. Everyone is doing their best to bring vaccines to Taiwan as soon as possible. TSMC said it had been tough going securing the deal, which it began looking into in mid-May. Some say TSMC was able to cut a deal because foreign countries were clamoring for its corporate investment. Regarding Japan, we're currently in the inspection stage. Regarding the cost of setting up plants in Japan and Taiwan, it is more expensive to build in Japan, but we are doing so in response to client demands. We have discussed the cost with our clients. As for Germany, we're still evaluating it seriously. The final highlight of the shareholder meet was the board of directors election. Asa founder Stan Shi stepped down from the board. Raphael Reif, president of the U.S.'s Massachusetts Institute of Technology, was approved as an independent director to the world-leading foundry.